Hello, everybody, and welcome to our UFC 247 post show. I'm John Pollock, joined as always by Phil Chertok, coming out of tonight's card from the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. And Houston, we have a judging problem. How are you, Phil? I, I'm good. How are you doing, John? Uh, I'm, do, I'm doing better than, than some people that were just outraged about some of the scoring. The, the two most uh, I'm very concerned about are Joe Rogan and Dominic Cruz. I, I don't know if they're going to make it. These no, guys, I think these guys are having an out of body experience by the end of this broadcast. I had to turn it off to come chat with you. I was very worried about these two. I feel like they're going to, you know, shut everything down. The lights are going to go out and they're still going to be there in their, you know, shirts. They're, they're finely ironed, ironed shirts and uh, they'll still be discussing the, discussing the poor judging. Yes. They, that was the theme of the night for Joe Rogan and Dominic Cruz. And it was kind of set off with a bad decision on the undercard. And it sort of just continued. We, we had some wacky scores on this show, to put it mildly. And then it kind of culminated in the main event where, let me preface by saying, I, I don't think that this was a a bad decision. But there was an awful scorecard in the main event of 49-46 for John Jones that will uh, get into. But yes, we will be diving into all of these uh, different scorecards. But uh, I guess we can just start there, Phil. And I think we should just focus on the main event off the top with John Jones and Dominic Reyes. I'm concerned that it, there's going to be so much attention on this one judge's scorecard that I hope it really doesn't overshadow what I thought was a phenomenal main event. Yeah, it was a really, it was a really great fight. Uh, up until this point of, uh, the night, uh, there was a bunch of great fights. Uh, and, uh, John Jones has a way of sort of ruining a good party. And, uh, it didn't happen this time. It was a really awesome fight. And, uh, yeah, it was really exciting all throughout all five rounds. Yeah. Like this was, this has got to be the best John Jones fight in. Man, a long time, I would have to say. There was a lot of drama with the Tiago Santos fight because of how close it was and the injury that Tiago Santos was dealing with. But in terms of just a competitive back-and-forth fight, I mean, this this to me was among the, the best John Jones fights I have seen. Yeah, for sure. It was right up there. I mean, it was up there with the Cormier and the Gustafson fights, which are yeah. the sort of landmark fights of his career so far. So... I mean, we, we can go through this fight, but to me, the story of this was Dominic Reyes coming out and he put on such relentless pressure on John Jones from the second the fight began. And he didn't want to give Jones a chance to even catch his breath in that opening flurry as he came right at him. And I think most people saw the first two rounds going for Dominic Reyes. He was putting a ton of pressure on him, uh, setting up his left hand, attacking the legs. And it was Jones kind of in this unfamiliar role of having to react and adjust on the fly to Dominic Reyes, who was just not, it was just smothering him. But the trade-off to that was he had to expend a ton of energy in those two rounds. So in my, in my opinion, he banked two rounds at the beginning of the fight then we get into the third round, and this became a very close round and probably the round that most people will debate in terms of who you had on your scorecard by the end of things. But it was still Dominic Reyes that was landing uh, with high kicks. He Jones would land, and in one sequence, Jones landed, and Reyes made him pay by just chasing him down and 
This was the first attempt of a takedown for John Jones. It came in the third, and he got blocked. And it was a close round. Reyes outlanded him in the third, but Jones, you could argue, may have had the the better quality strikes. And then the fourth and fifth, these were John Jones rounds. Reyes, Reyes had gotten tired, although to his credit, he got taken down twice in the fourth round, and he popped up immediately. But Jones had a great ending to the fourth round. He landed a head kick, an elbow, a big left hook uh, to kind of, in my opinion, seal the round. And then the fifth was a dominant John Jones round uh, with a takedown, uh, spin kick to the body. Uh, Reyes was just extremely tired in the fifth round. So after five rounds... Phil, my scorecard read 48-47, Dominic Reyes. How about you? First of all, your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, the fight was tremendous. Uh, Reyes came out hot uh, out of the blocks pretty much in every round. Uh, And in the first two rounds, it was definitely effective, particularly in the first round. Uh, In the second round... The sort of longer story of the fight began to emerge where Jones began his, was able to establish his pressing and the pace, the relentless pace that, uh, Reyes set in the first round, he couldn't maintain. But Reyes was still able to end very strong in the second round and I thought won that as well. The third round, the story Continued about Jones pressing and Reyes fading, but Reyes was still effective, continuing to move, and I gave him that round as well. But it it was it was close. It was close. And then rounds four and five were just decisive. Uh, Jones really just went on the offense. Reyes generally was on the back foot, avoiding engagement but countering still and landing but never really uh hurting john and john was able to secure wrestling takedowns as well but never establishing position um and then the fifth round uh jones really took over and was extremely effective in that round so ultimately i had it three rounds to uh two for reyes with three being a toss-up. But as sort of Dominic Cruz talked about in the post-fight, there is more to the story than just the individual rounds. Like the momentum that Jones carried into the end of the fight says a lot. And um, the scorecards can't really capture that. Yeah, and... It was, you know, he, he's fresh off a fight and I don't know exactly the message he was trying to convey, but John Jones was asked about if he thought he had done enough to, to win the fight. And his argument was, well, that, that fifth round alone, I think I won the fight with that fifth round. And I don't know exactly what he was trying to say, but like, that's not how scoring works. Like you had a great fifth round. That means you won the fifth round. You've got to win three out of five rounds in order to win the fight. And that's that's where, you know, some people will say, well, you've you've got to beat the champ to win the title. And it's like that's not how the scoring works. If you beat him by an inch in three of those rounds, it doesn't matter how narrow it is. You've won three rounds to two. You're the new champion. Like, that's just how scoring works. Um, The judges scorecards were 48, 47, 
48-47, and yes, 49-46, all for John Jones. And I was certainly surprised that Reyes didn't even get a card in his favor on a night where we had tons of split decisions. 49-46 was absolutely ludicrous. I can I can take 48-47 either way, but there's no way you can give uh, four rounds to either guy. I wouldn't I, I would have been just as stunned if Reyes got four rounds in this fight. But uh to me, 48-47 for Jones, I, I think that's an acceptable scorecard. And if you want to look at this that, well, there was one brutal scorecard in here, I can't begrudge the two 48-47s for John Jones, even though I had it going the other way for Dominic Reyes. So that's kind of how I felt about the scoring. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. I mean, I'm not I – de- I don't agree with f- the, the 49-46. Like, I – I'm not as outraged as you, but I think that that may be a manifestation of just this, the, the, it's a compound interest type thing. Well, you it's, know, the, 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 <laughs> the part that I think is going to upset the most people is that this judge who, you know, part of me feels some sympathy for because this guy is just going to get torn apart in the fallout of this event. Uh, Joe Solis, who has done a handful of UFC fights over the past uh, five to six years. And to me, like, this needs to... This is the world championship fight, and you have a card that could drastically alter history. Like, could you imagine? Like, the the responsibility of being in that position. And this was a guy who had um, an insane card earlier in the night, and here he is in... uh, He is one of three individuals scoring this light heavyweight championship fight with arguably the greatest fighter of all time and his legacy at stake with someone who has who uh, turned in four scorecards in 2014, one in 2015, uh, did three Bellator fights in 2016 that he rendered a decision for, two in 2017, and then tonight. That is his history, according to MMA decisions. The- Look, Texas has a sordid history in the MMA game. And, uh, you know, this is another evening in, uh, the not so illustrious, uh, you know, you know, history books. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's all too familiar for me to really get overly emotional about. That's the thing, right? Like we've been here, done that so many times in the past. And I guess because in the end, ultimately nobody really got robbed or like it'll all no, be it's forgotten. Like, I, I think most people can, even if they scored the fight for Reyes, they can accept 48, 47 cards for John Jones. I think that that is at, at most disagreeable for people but not outrageous scorecards at all like the third round to me like that is it was a close round i i scored it for reyes but i can see others seeing it for jones but coming out of this i think you know the silver lining to me is that this was the performance of a lifetime for dominic reyes i think there's many questions about uh what john jones does next but 
I, I think that Dominic Reyes, he certainly comes out of this with his stock at at a high point, not as high as had he won and ended the the streak of John Jones, but uh, I think he did himself uh, tremendous good as he went into this fight, an enormous underdog, and he comes out of that, this, to me, a, a sizable commodity, and I think a great demand to see a rematch between these two at some point. Yeah, I, I, I do think that uh, people would like to see a rematch. The problem with that is it, it, it's a challenging fight to set up because you don't really want to do it immediately, although it's not inconceivable because the light heavyweight landscape is uh, fairly barren. But uh, if you w- really wanted to set it up properly, you got to put him in there with somebody who's going to test him over five rounds, and there's not really... It's hard to think of somebody who could do that. So I, I, I don't know what you do with him in the meantime. But uh, in the future, yeah, I think people will want to see that. Um, yeah. How about John Jones, just in terms of this performance, uh, coupled with the last number of fights we've seen against Anthony Smith, against Tiago Santos? Like we saw John Jones tonight that, you know, left with his championship by a very slim margin. Uh, this... This to me is not this uh, unbeatable force. Um, this is a guy that, you know, he t- tonight he got he got the benefit that uh, three judges saw it his way tonight. But what did you make of the overall performance of John Jones? And do you have any kind of hesitancy to see this guy uh, either move to heavyweight or do, do you think that, uh, you know, if he fought Dominic Reyes again, it could be a different outcome? I. Okay, so a lot of questions there. Yeah, I threw uh, a lot at you there. Yeah, so I I thought I thought his performance was quite good. I thought it was impressive how he weathered the storm and once again faced adversity and dug deep and found a way to win even though I didn't quite agree with the decision. And I do think it's impressive how in the 5th round and 4th round and the 3rd round he continued to push a pace despite getting hit with big shots. Um, so even had he lost, it was still, uh, somewhat impressive to me. Now, that being said, Dominic Reyes showed a lot and for the first time showed a blueprint on maybe how you can beat Jones. Like, even though Cormier had success in the second fight, it, it, it it's hard to imagine recreating that. But Reyes's style, you know, the movement and attacking and, and not giving an inch. Yeah. You know, I, I could see somebody else at least trying that. I know easier said than done, but, uh, so it, it was, it's sort of like win-win in, in a, in a strange way. Now, that being said, it does raise more questions about going to heavyweight because, uh, I mean, Jones had a, tough time securing the wrestling here and it's going to be even harder against you know the top wrestlers uh, at the heavyweight division right and you know the questions about putting weight on i mean how would that affect jones later in the fight that was that was a huge positive for him in this fight having that that gas tank for late in the fight and um you know still having to me that that speed in this fight you know for all of the big power shots Reyes was coming at him with and certainly landing with some Jones defense is still tremendous. Um, I, I was very impressed with that and kind of how he dealt with Reyes 
late in that fight. I, I thought this was a really excellent performance still from John Jones and how he dealt with, you know, being down two rounds and how he adjusted from that for the, the final three. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So uh, just looking here at uh, MMA decisions and of the people that did turn in scorecards, I mean, the majority had it for Reyes, but there were some cards here for Jones, but all the scores were 48-47 going either way. I did put a poll on Twitter. I got about 400 votes here. 72% believing Dominic Reyes won this fight. So, Phil, as you look into your your crystal ball that we all uh, depend on you for, John Jones, (laughs) when does he fight next? And... At what weight class? What would be your prognostication for 2020? Do you think he takes a big break after this? Um, I, it really depends on you know the, his, the state of his health um, and the landscape. I mean, there's no. I mean, there's a Corey Anderson fight happening at light heavyweight, but that's not really terribly interesting. Um, I do feel he'll he'll have a fight because he he still wants to make up for lost time, uh, you know, from his suspensions and uh, you know other uh, troubles. But it is difficult to imagine an opponent right now, especially if the UFC is trying to make a different heavyweight fight with uh, Cormier. I'm not sure what you do with him. Yeah, your options are. Yeah, it's. That winner of Corey Anderson, Jan Blahovich, and outside of that, it's looking to me. To me, if it's at light heavyweight, Dominic Reyes, the rematch to me is kind of the most interesting for me personally. If we're not looking at heavyweight, yeah, I mean, you know, give Reyes, you know, six months maybe, and give him a, you know, that he'll have a lot of confidence going into it. He'll prepare better. I expect he'll be better in the fourth and fifth round. So there, D- there demand is... the fight take place in another state. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, Nevada. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, two two of the judges in this in this fight. It's not like they they were regular um, judges that judge all over the place. It was really the one Joe Solis that seemed to be a uh, a Houston representative uh, from the local scene there you wonder if this fight was in texas because they have a different threshold for like the amount of picograms that you can you know delay a fight for or whatever well you would you would still be subjected to the usada testing so i I don't, uh, I, I don't think that would be in the old days you could certainly look at that and that was kind of the reputation texas would have about you know if you're going to go well, commission shopping that's where you could end up but with usada i mean i'm sure and you know they they've said that like the amount of testing that Jones has undergone. Um, plus, they, they've they made some of those adjustments as well to kind of curb that effect of, you know, the pulsing so that if it is a certain level, it's not going to uh, s- similar like what what happened with with Nate Diaz. Well, I just, you know, like even with that, you, you know, he had the initial problem was in Nevada and uh they did, they didn't, they weren't comfortable with the fight proceeding and USADA was comfortable with the fight proceeding. So USADA was happy enough to agree to move the fight to another state. So maybe this time they just chose a state where it wouldn't be an issue regardless. Like, I mean, and the previous time it was in California, right? Didn't he fight his last fight in California? 
Well, Tiago Tiago Santos Santos was back in Vegas, wasn't it? Because oh, okay, because okay. that was uh, International Fight Week. Got it. Everybody, everything was good again. They're all friendly again. Uh, any any other thoughts coming out of the main event before we go to? Oh, uh, what was your your real main event? I know going into this with uh, Valentina Shevchenko. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know about that being my my real main event, but certainly uh, uh, something I was looking forward to. Well, it had no judging controversy. Spoiler, everybody. Valentina Shevchenko made this uh, completely undisputed. Um, she looked fantastic in this fight. Uh, she came out, out of the gate with uh, Caitlin Chukagian, who, uh, among the bigger underdogs in a championship fight in recent memory, a uh, plus 750 underdog. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko listed as a minus 1200 favorite and completely justified. Shevchenko came out attacking her with leg kicks, and then near the end of the round, she caught a kick, took Chukagian down, and sliced open her, just above her left eye, and Chukagian goes back to her corner, she is just leaking blood, and her coach just looks at her and says, you know, everything's going fine, it was just one elbow, and th- and she's just, like, gushing blood, uh, but the cut man that- there did a very good job of concealing this cut, the second round began. Again, Chukagian got taken down into half guard. Uh, she was able to recover to full guard at one point, but again, it was a Shevchenko round highlighted by um, several kicks, uh, one to the leg, one to the body, and then this spinning wheel kick that they – first they replayed it in slow motion between rounds, then to <laughs> – they played it in real time so everyone could hear the sound of it as well. Uh, and the announcers were very impressed by this spinning wheel kick that uh, Chukagian was able to absorb. Third round, Chukagian cannot pull guard, and it leads to a trip takedown. Shevchenko moves to the crucifix position and just starts dropping elbows into punches and gets to stoppage at one minute, three seconds of the third round, uh, making her third defense of the UFC flyweight championship. A uh, To me, a pretty flawless performance from Valentina Shevchenko. Absolutely. Uh yeah, flawless. She made no mistakes, uh, dominated the fight, got a finish, and once again demonstrated that she is on a completely different level than the rest of the women in her division. Yeah, and that kind of was the talking point after was like, what what do you do with this woman at flyweight? She is so far and above where the rest of the contenders are and it's just trying to find contenders for her at this point there's there's always the um doing another fight uh with with Amanda Nunez um but it's yeah it's it's going to be like the Caitlin Chukagians of the world that you're going to be seeking at 125 pounds for Shevchenko and unless somebody comes along i mean these are it looks like it's it's a pretty dominant run that uh, Shevchenko's on which again to our point of a couple weeks ago I do think it was a blessing in disguise that Macy Barber lost that fight to Roxanne Modafferi. It's unfortunate she's going to be out for a while with a torn ACL. But had Macy Barber won that fight, Phil, as we're looking at the contenders now, like save for like a Joanne Calderwood, I think Macy Barber gets thrown to the wolves very early in her career if she had beaten Roxanne. It's possible, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of options uh, at that weight class. Uh, so uh, that's the state of affairs. 
Um, and like right we, now, we got maybe- Chukagan was ranked one. She's beaten Jessica I. This is just the order of the rankings. Then you have Joanne Calderwood, yeah. Jennifer Maya, Roxanne Modafferi, Vivian Araujo, and Lauren Murphy, who we'll get to later, and Andrea Lee, uh, followed by Macy Barber, Alexis Davis. That's your top 10. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's levels to this, uh, you know, that, uh, adage. And, uh, she's on another level than the division. She's almost on two different levels, right? Like it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, the skill she displays, like all the all around package, like everything about her, right? Like it's like, she's a great personality. She speaks these multiple languages. She's just destroying these women. It's awesome. Yeah, this was just a um yeah, there there no no holes to speak of in the in this performance. Um just just greatly outmatched uh Caitlin Chukagian. Justin Taffa and Juan Adams on the main card here. Uh this was this was a quick heavyweight fight. Justin Taffa, only his second UFC fight uh after losing his debut to Jorgen De Castro back at UFC two forty three in October. Uh, he kept this short. He connected with some early left, left-handed strikes, uh, that got through and that set up a right hook and a right uppercut that dropped Juan Adams. And he just followed with a barrage of shots, ending this a minute 59 of the first round by TKO. And that was it for Juan Adams. Yeah. Fun fight. Nice to have a quick, uh, finish on the main card that's going to have, you know, potentially two five rounders. Uh, so, uh, exciting. Let's see Taffa in there with somebody with a little bit more polish. If you were to create a, uh, uh, $65 plus tax, uh, pie chart, how much of the, how big of a slice of your $65.99 would be dedicated to Justin Taffa and Juan Adams on this pay-per-view? I, 10%, 5%. I mean, I don't really think about it like that. I think about it like pretty much it's like 100% goes to John Jones and Valentina Shevchenko. Well, the, you like, just answered the question then. So th- this this was a zero value to you. That was this. Well, I mean, I, that's not how I want to. I, I you're, don't you're being very harsh like, on these two <laughs> rising fighters just trying to make a living, and you, well, and they're is worthless. my time is my time worthless, John? Is that what you're saying? You just you saying I my, didn't say it was no, worthless. You you defined it as a hundred percent of your money went towards the top two fights. These two mean, mean nothing. No. You defined it as that. I just said it's not worth money. That doesn't mean it's worthless. It, it, that's exactly what worthless means. You said, you just said just time because is, I said it's not worth money doesn't mean it's worthless. Time exactly is worth more, John. Time is worth more than money. That's why you pay people to save you time. So this was quality time you spent with Justin Taffa and Juan Adams. I, I yeah, yeah, yes. Well, this did happen uh, on a pay per view. <laughs> Dan Ige versus versus uh, Mursad Bektic. I was looking forward to this fight. I thought th- this was hardly the deepest card, but this uh, to me was an interesting fight. Dan Ige lost his UFC debut, but then he's rattled off four wins coming into this. Uh, Mursad Bektic, uh, certainly a big prospect at 145 pounds, uh, came up short against Josh Emmett last July where he got stopped and training at, at TriStar uh, with Farah uh, Sahabi, who is in his corner for this fight. Uh, this one, 
They split the first two rounds. Dan Ige uh, lit him up with his shots in the first round. It was all striking from Dan Ige. Then in the second, Bektich got the takedown and just worked on top. And at one point, worked for an arm triangle from Mount. Uh, did you think he could pull this off from Mount, Phil, as our jiu-jitsu expert here on the show? Um, it looked like it was it was happening, um, but then it, it sort of became pretty apparent that it wasn't. So I was a little bit surprised that he didn't step off into side control because uh, if you get perpendicular to your opponent in side control, essentially perpendicular, then you can drive a lot more force into the choke, into the shoulder, squeezing it into the neck. So... I'm surprised that he didn't do that after the initial attempt uh, didn't work, but you can finish it. Um, and, and I th- I believe Joe Rogan was commenting on that during the sequence as well. Um, so, but nonetheless, it was still pretty impressive and imp- very impressive top control. And uh, it turned the fight around for Bektik at that point. Yeah. They mentioned in commentary that, that Zahabi had mentioned that, uh, George St. Pierre had told Bektich that he has as strong a top game as anyone he is he has trained with. So that's a hell of a comment from George St. Pierre. So it came down to the third round. I had it even going into this one. Uh, Danny Gay hit him with several elbows to the side of the head. They got separated off the fence. And then Bektich is going for the single leg. Uh, Ige stepped over, tried for an arm bar, lost that. Uh, and Bektich just held on to his waist but couldn't do much with it uh so we went to the judges scorecards split decision in favor of dan Ige uh with all the scores 29 28 and dan Ige gets his fifth win in a row and will probably get a pretty notable featherweight after this this was a, a very big win over a, a very you know hot prospect in mersad bektich yeah, it, it was a big win. I, I do wonder if he will get a big name because of the way that the featherweights are, are, are sort of like shaping up. You mentioned Emmett, who was supposed to fight, I think it was last week or recently and had, couldn't make it. You know, he'd be a nice opponent, but neither of them are that well known and both are like looking extremely good right now. So uh, I'm not sure who you match them up with because it seems like everybody's uh, got a dance partner right now. Yeah. It's a, it's a super deep division. I guess it would be for Dan Ige hoping just to crack that top 15. Like that's how, that's how deep this roster is when these two aren't even in the top 15. So uh, we'll see what happens with Dan Ige. Afterwards, I believe he was doing an interview with ESPN and he threw out uh, Korean Zombie's name, which uh, to me, that you kind of got to be realistic with what you're shooting for. I, I don't know if he's propelling himself to to get a fight with Korean Zombie, but I guess shoot your shot. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I guess get your name out there, but I, I agree. I think you need to pick somebody a little bit more realistic. I think, you know, just, you know, pick somebody on the outside of the top 10. That's really the best. Derek Lewis was opening up the pay-per-view, and he came out to a hero's welcome here in Houston just after uh, turning 35 this week, taking on Iller Latifi, who was moving up to heavyweight and came in at 246 and a half pounds. How did you think uh, Latifi looked at at heavyweight? I think he actually looked all right. I mean, dare I say that this was a good move for the man. He, I, he he looked like a piece of furniture. Like that's what this guy is like, <laughs> built like. He looked like a like a 
a giant dresser. That's what he <laughs> resembled to me. Uh, okay. <laughs> In the first round, uh, Derek Lewis was dead set on landing a flying knee. And he threw several of them in this fight. And he hit Latifi with a pair of head kicks. This is the most deceptive looking man at 200. And I loved it. John Anik was noting how, uh, Derek Lewis is, is, uh, he, he's lighter now. It's like, yes, he's lighter from cutting down to 265 to coming in at 261 and a half pounds. So yes, technically lighter, but this man is still a monster. Um, and it's just incredible to watch this guy and some of his offensive choices. So I had Lewis winning the first. In the second, Latifi worked very hard in the clinch with his uh, with his uh, overhooks and was able to get Lewis off of the cage, down to the ground, and into half guard. And they eventually get stood up. And this was interesting because Joe Rogan was noting the referee can stand these guys up at any point now. And... I have heard Joe Rogan complain so many times about stand-ups, and here he seemed like more than ready to see uh, Latifi lose his top position here. And that's what happened. They got up. Uh, Latifi still controlled the round. And then we go to the third, and it's looking to be going Latifi's way. He was able to get another takedown, but Lewis got up. And then in the final minute, it was like Derek Lewis saw that there were 60 seconds left, and he was going to throw absolutely everything in his arsenal at this dude. He just threw wildly. He connected with shots. He hit this big right hand. He drilled him with a right uppercut. And I really thought, Bill, it was this final 60 seconds that won Derek Lewis the fight. Did you agree? Uh, well, let me consult my notes. Okay, what do I have here? Round three, ten nine, Lewis, four. One minute from hell after fighting off the wrestling. So, yes, yes. I agree with the Exact analysis. The- <laughs> it's like yeah. we're mirroring each other. Um, yeah. yeah, Dominic Cruz actually was like, he was furious about this decision. It was all three had it 29 28 for mm. Derek Lewis, and Cruz was arguing like the wrestling of Latifi. And I was like, it's not like they scored this 30 27 for Lewis. It would be ridiculous to have given him the second round, but I thought 29 28, that to me was the score of this fight. I thought he won the first, and I thought that last minute clinched this this fight for him so i had to disagree with dominic cruz in this yeah i i think again it was uh things adding up over the night uh there was definitely a growing frustration especially among uh with, with dominic cruz you could sense yeah um yeah, and, and in particular, I think he was just frustrated that, like, there, you know, no understanding of anything that wasn't this whatever was perceived as boxing. So, yeah, but to me, it's like Latifi, he got him down once in the in the third. But to me, it was it was it, hardly enough to justify the round when you compare the damage that Lewis was able to do in that in that final minute. So Derek Lewis gets the victory. And afterwards, he talked about smoking a lot of weed and. <laughs> It was a Derek Lewis interview, and you know this is this is a guy that's he, he this guy's gonna have a job for life in UFC as long as he wants it, and and I mean continues to this is his second win in a row after the Blagoy Ivanov fight, and has quietly fought nineteen times in the UFC, fourteen of those victories. Yeah, I mean he's a staple of the heavyweight division. He's a workhorse. He fights several times a year. Um. He's getting better. Um, 
I, I, you know, you sort of, you tongue in cheek mocked, uh, sort of like the notes on the weight. But if you look at his physique over, you know, the course of his career, he's getting leaner, but he's still, you know, massive. And, you know, his shoulders are getting bigger and, you know, he's throwing these kicks and he's, he wasn't as tired as he, he normally gets in these fights. So, uh, he's improving and, and, he he he's going to be dangerous. I'd like to see him set up some of these crazy attacks, though. They just come out of nowhere. Yeah. With and, and like his instincts are good. The timing is nice, but it's it's just you got to set it up a little bit better. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's in an interesting spot in the heavyweight uh, division. He's in that that upper section of heavyweights, and to me, it is. I don't know. Wh- I'm really, uh, I really have no idea what you do with Curtis Blades, who just seems to be waiting for this title fight to occur with Miocic and Daniel Cormier. That doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon. So if you're the UFC, do you push Curtis Blades to take a fight in the interim? Because Derek Lewis becomes an option for, for that. But if you're Blades, uh, do you take a risky fight at this point, uh, versus waiting? Blades has to take a fight because there's uh, he might not get he, he could sit out the three, whole year if he's waiting. Yeah, well, yeah, he could. I don't think it's like it's not like the UFC is terribly interested in a Curtis Blades title match. So what is gonna happen? It's not like his stock is gonna go up if he waits. So he's got to take a fight, and Derek Lewis is a big name. And then, have they not fought already? If they haven't fought already, then they should fight. They there have not. Go. They have not fought before, so it would there be a, it would be a fresh fight at heavyweight, and maybe maybe that is what you push for next. And it can, and it can main event because I yep. mean Blades has main evented uh, already now, and he's you know he's growing. Like it takes time. Like I know these guys get frustrated because they go on winning streaks and and they want the meritocracy thing, but you know the schedule has to work out too, right? Like and guys are injured and. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's quickly run through the uh, the undercard here. Uh, Trevin Giles took on late replacement James Krause. This was a crazy story. Antonio Arroyo weighed in on Friday and then got ill afterwards, and they removed him from the card. So James Krause was already in town because his training partner Yusef Zalal, who was going to be on the fight pass portion, he was there to corner him, and he said, "I'll take the fight." So James Krause just got onto the scale, he was approved to fight, and this guy who's fought at lightweight and primarily fights now at welterweight, took a middleweight fight against Trevin Giles, and this was a hell of a performance here from James Krause. He he dominated the first round. He was a after he did absorb some shots early, but then took Giles down and controlled his back for most of the round, threatening with a rear naked choke with the body triangle applied, and then Giles got free and then in the second round, Giles just tore him apart in the second round. Kraus was exhausted. Uh, Giles was just throwing down strikes and then went for a choke right at the end. I thought this was enough to be a 10-8 round, even even with the old rules. This was just a one-sided round. And then in the third, it seemed like both were very tired at this point, And it was uh, Giles throwing a lot of heavy shots. Kraus trying to uh, throw his own big shots. Um 
So I had Giles winning this. I, I had it 29-27 because I did go 10-8 in this. But for James Krause, he came into this fight on 18 hours notice and went 15 minutes at a weight class above what he fights at. I mean, it was uh, quite the story. Yeah, it was really impressive. I, I actually scored it a little bit differently. I had it mostly the same, 10-9, 10-8. But then I gave the last round 10-9 to Kraus, even though I it was a toss-up. Yeah. Because uh, the last two minutes in particular, they neither was really doing too much. But Kraus started the round stronger and surprisingly stronger because he had really faded in the second. And like we said, we gave it 10-8, both of us. Um, so it was still impressive, even in defeat, even if I scored a draw and, and I thought, uh, Giles did well as well. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, you know, had to switch opponents on 24 hours notice and, you know, James Krause is a, that's a significant, um, different opponent than Antonio Arroyo. So yeah, this was a, it was a great story and, and they had a very good fight together. Lauren Murphy defeated Andrea Lee by split decision. Crowd was not happy with this uh, with this outcome. The scores were 30-27, 29-28, and then one had it 29-28 for Andrea Lee. I, I found the first two rounds uh, very close. Um, I went 29-28 for Andrea Lee. Uh, I certainly didn't see how Lauren Murphy won three rounds here, but she said she was very proud of her performance of both of their efforts in this one as she uh, kind of overtook the uh, the booze from the audience. But uh, what did you think about this fight? And did you see Lauren Murphy winning this one? So I didn't see Lauren Murphy winning this one. I had it 10-9 Lee in actually all three rounds. Uh, even the third, I just thought she did the body shots, but the a- Andrea is- Lee. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I forgot this third round was a hundred percent Andrea Lee's round. That was, uh, that was what with the 30, 27, I thought the third round was a clear cut round for Andrea Lee. At least that's how I viewed it. Yeah. Um, and the, okay. So even though I scored a friend, really, all the rounds were close. They were back and forth. I mean, my notes were for all the rounds, fun back and forth round. So they were close. And, uh, Lauren Murphy sort of pointed out in the commentary after she's, oh, you know, she did secure some takedowns and, uh, Andrea Lee kept spinning out her mouthpiece multiple yeah, times. Yeah, she had a lot of problems with this in the first round. It was like twice it fell out of her mouth. Yeah, and so that can sway things like, are you getting hit? Like, are things hurting? Are you okay? So, like, I, I, I wasn't like terribly upset by this decision. You're a pretty zen person just by your very <laughs> you, you don't get upset about too many things. So I guess don't worry. I'll I'll take care of the outrage quotient <laughs> okay. on this show, okay? I'll be livid about decisions that go the wrong way. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had Alex uh, Morino taking on Kalin Chaos Williams, who is making his UFC debut. This guy has quite the resume. Uh, he had won six straight fights coming into this one, and he has... 14 amateur fights on his record prior to going pro. So he's got a lot more 
fights than he uh, than his record of nine and one would indicate coming into this. Wasted no time. Uh, Morno from Houston got the big reception. Williams did not care. He just rushed at him with these wild shots. He rocked Morno on his feet and then put him down against the fence after this right uppercut and drilled him with more shots. And this one was over. Uh, Chaos Williams wins by knockout 27 seconds of the first round, uh, his seventh straight win. So very impressive debut. Definitely. And with a name like Chaos and, uh, you know, that type of fighting style, uh, that can go a long way. Miles Johns and Mario Batista fought at 135 pounds. Uh, Johns was very patient throughout the first round and then landed, uh, he landed a, this right hand near the end, uh, along with an overhand right. And that was about the most significant strikes of the first round. So not a whole lot happened in the second, uh, Batista hit him with this flying knee and just finished him with hammer fists and strikes at a minute 41 of the second round. Uh, Mario Batista, this was his third UFC fight. Uh, in his UFC debut, he drew Corey Sandhagen, which was, uh, probably no fun and was coming off a win over Jinsu Son last July. So his second win here in the company uh, occurring in the second round. Good. Nice to get a finish on a pay-per-view event. And fight pass. We had three fights. Uh, it kicked off with a uh, Yusuf Zalal defeating Austin Lingo by unanimous decision on scores of 30, 27 uh, across the board. Um, this was, you know, a very good for performance. He outstruck, uh, he outstruck Lingo by a margin of 58 to 16. Uh, I had him winning all three rounds, as did the judges, and that would be a rarity on this show. So that definitely is the um, the footnote uh, historically on this show, that all the judges started off this night uh, agreeing with one another about a fight that was fairly easy to score. Yes, it was fairly easy to score. Uh, maybe that's just the criteria for the Texas judges. Well, maybe, um, maybe after that first fight, they decided, you know what? This will be boring if we all agree. Why don't we have some fun tonight? So then we go to Andre Yule and Jonathan Martinez, which was our, our first uh, exposure to one uh, Joe Solis, because we had uh, Andre Yule, I, I had winning the first round, and then I scored the second and third for Jonathan Martinez. Uh, he was attacking Yule in the body in the second attacking him with leg kicks, uh, even dropped Ewell with a leg kick near the end of the round. Uh, then the third was a bit of a slower round. Uh, Ewell was favoring his right arm that they suspected on commentary he had injured at some point earlier in the fight. And then Martinez landed this high knee and drilled. Uh, they had this flurry at the end of the fight. And then they read the scorecards and they read them 30-27. 28-29 and 29-28. Andre Ewell gets the split decision, and this was the 30-27 card for Ewell that everyone was up in arms over because very hard to give three rounds to Andre Ewell in this fight. Well, I mean, Ewell wasn't up in arms because, oh, you know. <laughs> man, I really walked into that one. Well, he was, uh, he got, he got the victory here, and this was, uh, I guess, guess telling for the night because this is, this was the decision that set off Rogan and Cruz for the rest of the night to just complain about the, the judging. Yeah, because it was just, it, it just, it just inconceivable. Like you can make a case that you will sort of won the fight, although they were real fairly one sided in their commentary. Like I thought Martinez won. 
But like, you know, it was the third round was, you know, debatable and, uh, the second, uh, but, the second, there was no chance you could. Score yeah, yeah, yeah. The, but it's the, that thirty twenty seven. It's like that unanimous thing. And then they started. Was that when they started talking about the guy not even watching the fight or something? Yeah. So there was one fight, and it might have been this one. It might have been something later where Rogan pointed out that one of the judges wasn't even watching the fight, and he made this point. And then he went back to the point a few minutes later, and John Anik said that might be the commissioner. And we never got clarity on whether this was the judge that was supposed to be scoring the fight. Was this a judge that was uh, – he was not on duty for this particular fight. There was no kind of conclusion to it, but that's what Rogan was alleging, that the, there was a guy who was just talking to someone else and not even watching the fight, which if, if that was true, uh, that that would be pretty bad. That that would yeah. be so bad. Phil would be pissed. <laughs> uh, I definitely be upset. Look, I'm already upset. I am upset that somebody who has, you know, what is it, less than uh, a dozen um, MMA fights under their belt is is judging at such a high level. That's just ludicrous. Yeah, at least so- fights that went to the decision is what they have listed here. And they, yeah, it yeah. would be, it would be you know. You know, maybe somebody with that little experience, it's better that they're not watching the fights. Maybe it's more accurate that they just like flip a coin. And then the the final fight on Fight Pass, uh, Journey Newson knocking out uh, Domingo Pilarte. He won by TKO, 38 seconds of the first round. He just drilled him with this massive right hand and finished him with more strikes on top. Uh, this was not a good night for guys from Houston outside of uh, Derek Lewis. Pilarte, another native of Houston. Uh, getting a big reception before he was uh, stopped in this fight, but uh, uh, very, very solid knockout here by Journey Newsom. Yeah, uh, you know, r- you know, real very quickly got it done. Uh, sort of was pinpoint accurate with the counter, and uh, again, an impressive finish on a pay per view show. So that was UFC 247. I think certainly will be remembered for the main event with John Jones and Dominic Reyes, which uh, I-, I thought was an excellent fight. I think one of the best fights this year so far. Yeah, the whole card. I mean, it, it was. I mean, the judging sort of marred uh, what was really a excellent event. And thankfully, you know, even though it was, you know, anybody watching would agree that the judging was generally poor. I think rational observers would say that nothing, nobody was really truly robbed tonight. At least I didn't see it. Well, there were there. There's going to be. I think uh, you. I mean, what are you upset about? Some of these, like, what are you like? Um, in terms of the wrong what? person winning, I would say what? maybe I, Lauren I, Murphy. That one. I, I well from. I thought I thought Andrea Lee won that fight. I thought it was those first two rounds, as I said, though were close. Like I wasn't outraged about that. I definitely felt Jonathan Martinez beat Andre Ewell. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the other big one was yeah, with uh, if you believe Dominic Reyes won uh, that fight. But to me, it was I, I can accept the forty eight forty seven card for Jones. So at worst, you're looking at okay, there was one bad card in there, but there were still two forty eight forty sevens. Had there been. Uh, you know, three egregious cards. I think you just would have had people uh, torching the the arena down. But 
Yeah, there there was some bad scoring, and I think it's something that you can certainly look at of you know who who are the people judging these fights and what what are the qualifications. Like if you are someone that has minimal uh, judging experience at the highest level, you probably should not be in a championship fight. Oh, definitely, definitely. So before we go here, uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks, uh, the UFC is running a card every weekend from now until. Um, 2030. Uh, next weekend, they're back with a uh, Corey Anderson, Jan Blahovich, the rematch. After that, it's uh, Paul Felder, Dan Hooker in New Zealand. Then Joseph Benavidez against Devison uh, Figueredo for the vacant flyweight title on February 29th. And the next time we'll be here is UFC 248, which is a a very uh, entertaining card potentially on paper. We've got uh, Israel. Adesanya versus Yoel Romero, Zhang Wei Li versus Joanna Janjacek in our two title fights. Jared Cannonier, he's taking on the, uh, the daunting TBD. We'll see if they find a replacement for Robert Whitaker. Uh, Edmund Shabazian, who's looked great against Derek Brunson. Neil Magny against Li Jing Leong. Sean O'Malley is back. Alex Oliveira versus Max Griffin. Benil Dariush is on this show. So this, this has the potential to be a, a very good, pay-per-view card uh next month yeah it seems like the ufc sort of has a couple of strategies like if 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 they have a sort of a proven pay-per-view draw they don't really put too many big names on the card but if it's you know sort of like one of their more like regular pay-per-views israel adesanya is not somebody who's been on pay-per-view a whole lot he sort of emerged as a star last year so let's stack the card with um you know a lot of good fights yeah i I like the main event i know that you know it was you know we went over you know yoel romero getting this title fight i think this is going to be a really great fight so i i don't have like a big issue with uh romero getting this title fight no, it's, 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 uh, it's sort of a product of circumstance. The timing was right. The number one contender is injured. And, uh, Romero's an extremely exciting fighter. And he's never in a dull fight. I just, you know, I just hope he makes the weight. That's the only thing. Well, he said at the press conference, he's never had weight, weight cutting issues. He's never had a problem with weight. Oh, okay. I'm, well, I'm not concerned then anymore. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about, about Yoel Romero, who will get an entire week of embedded focusing on Yoel Romero, 42-year-old Yoel Romero going for one more title or the chance to have a UFC championship. This might be his last his last hope. He can break dances weight off. Could be. Well, Phil, uh, I thank you as always for, for joining me, keeping me company, being the uh, – the Zen-like one of the two of us. Well, I <laughs> I'm working hard out of it. Luckily, I don't have to. Uh, I don't at my job. I don't have the te- Texas uh, Athletic State Commission or whatever deciding if I'm doing a good job or not. So maybe that's why I'm able to be so Zen-like, as you say. Well, is there? Is there anything you would like to promote? I, I understand through the grapevine that you're you're working on something, but I don't know if it's for 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 the public to be aware of yet. And if not, you can uh, you can just plug the Korean barbecue or something. Well, I mean, we do. I do. We seem to be on a mission to try every Korean barbecue in North York. Um, that's even if it's like- on back to back nights. Yeah, that's that's no the problem. best way to enjoy Korean barbecue. Is just I think so. Keep it steady. 
you really can't get enough. So, uh, but no, uh, at this time, uh, nothing, that, that's, that's it. But, uh, I'll, I'll let you know if, uh, things change in the future. All right. Well, you can, you can read the wonderful words of Phil Chertok, uh, every week with five questions at postwrestling.com going through the, the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. So we'll see what, what has everyone's ire later this week. And then Phil will, uh, talk you all off of a ledge. So thank you very much, Phil, for joining me. We'll be back next month after UFC 248, and that's it. Good night, everybody.